Welcome to the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Hometown Ticketing is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of the UIAAA Connection Podcast and to provide schools nationwide with the best options for digital ticketing for their events. Visit their website at hometownticketing.com to learn how they can make digital ticketing possible and simple at your school. Thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their exclusive sponsorship of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today, our guest in our first visit to South Dakota is Joey Strui, Certified Master Athletic Administrator and a member of the National Scholastic Athletic Administrator Association's Professional Development Academy. Welcome to the podcast, Joey. Hey, thanks for having me, Hutch. It's great to be here. First time, right? Have you ever yeah. been to South Dakota? Uh, well, you know, I was there last year. Uh, <laughs> I've been there actually a couple. I was there, obviously, for the NEDC, which I might add is one of the best NEDCs that we've ever had. But uh, I was there maybe, oh, my goodness, 19... 93 so yeah maybe 30 29 years ago when my kids were little went out saw Mount Rushmore went out to the Badlands came back and went up through a little Bighorn National Monument down into Yellowstone but uh, yeah we stayed in Custer a couple nights went to that state park there and so yeah it's fascinating but you're over on the east side of the state right yeah, we're clear on the east side. Yeah, we're about a five-hour drive from the Black Hills area. Yeah. But you're right on the border of Iowa, right? If I've got my right in, right in the southeast corner of the state. We, we, we're close to the border with Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. So, so you're right there all close. We're a stone's no. throw away from Minnesota and Iowa. A little Perfect. further to Nebraska. Let's have, you, uh, let's have you start, Joey, by sharing with our audience here in Utah and across the nation where you grew up, where you went to college, maybe your first teaching job or maybe your first job as a teenager and then share some of your sports background that led you into uh, coaching and now to being an athletic director. Well, I grew up in a small town in Eastern South Dakota. I've spent my whole life in, in Eastern South Dakota. And when I say small town, uh, picture having 18 uh, graduates in your high school class. So that's the size of school that I went to. Grew up in a, in a, in a small town, went to college, um, very near me in Madison, South Dakota, at Dakota State University. When I was in high school, I, I participated in, in track, football, basketball. I, re I really loved basketball, but our football coach and our track coach was my basketball coach. So when you're in a school that size, if you don't want, if you want to play basketball, you better play football and, and run track too. So, sure. but I always joke about uh, running track. I, I tell kids today that it, I ask them, you know what I ran in track? slow that's exactly what I ran <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy it but I did those things just so that I could play basketball uh, but you do what you have to do and, and please those coaches that's the era we grew up in uh, I played for a couple of years at Dakota State University uh, then I, I lost eligibility due to there were better players coming in than I was <laughs> yeah so, I but I did have that for a couple of years <clears throat> for a couple of years playing ball there um I graduated from there in 1986, and I took a, a job as a first head coach uh, for, for myself, my first head coach position at Midland, South Dakota, which is West River. 
about 100 miles from Rapid City, another small school. 100 miles which way then? East? Uh, east of Rapid City. Yep, on the so, east side. So, so out, so east and north of the Badlands? or It would be east and just a little bit north, yes. So okay. okay. Yep. yep, you got your geography pretty good there. Um, I spent three years there where I met my, my wife, Tracy. She was the first grade teacher there. She is from Minnesota. So a few years later, we moved back to the eastern part of the state so we could both be closer to family. Uh, I was lucky enough there in my first uh, job to inherit a very talented group of basketball players. Uh, my first year coaching, we lost uh, one game in the state semifinals. It was the only game we lost. So I, I walked into a great situation for a first year head coach, uh, not knowing the pressure that I had really with that kind of a group of, of players, what the community expected from that group of kids. Um, so fortunately, they were good enough not to let me mess them up. So, mm. Had a great year. Uh, moved to Esteline, South Dakota, um, which is right along the border with Minnesota, about halfway between the southern and northern borders. Uh, again, I walked into a, a great situation there where there was a, a good program that had been built up, a lot of good athletes, um, had some success there. So I spent 10 years as a head coach, uh, spent probably 16 or 17 years as an assistant girls basketball coach. That was back in the day when South Dakota had volleyball in the winter and girls basketball in the fall. So I could be an assistant girls basketball coach in the fall and a head boys basketball coach in the wintertime. Wow. And, and the head girls coach was actually my assistant coach uh, during the wintertime. So we were more like co-head coaches at the time uh, because we worked so much together and we thought so much alike, which is probably to the detriment of his career. Well, let me ask you this. Benefit quickly. of mine. <laughs> um, so you're right next to Iowa, but South Dakota was not playing the three women on one end and three women on the other end. You were no. playing the five on five. We were playing five on five, but we, did, we, we couldn't okay. have played with them. I don't know that they played in the fall at that time. Uh, well, that's true too, yeah. We couldn't have played them anyway. We, we didn't have out-of-state opponents because everyone else was playing girls basketball in the wintertime, which was the impetus for that change. There was a lawsuit that was filed that it was discriminatory because girls basketball players didn't have those scholarship opportunities and so uh, back in the, the mid-90s when we changed seasons, we put volleyball in the fall and girls basketball then in the wintertime, which is, was caused quite an uproar at that time, but it, it's been a great change. Uh, sometimes you, the change comes slowly uh, at a glacial pace a little bit, but uh, after it's all said and done, nobody knows the difference anymore. Okay, well, let's... Let me get my the rest of my geography correct. So you're in Sioux Falls, correct? Uh, that's correct. You're in Sioux Falls. And so what is the distance between Sioux Falls and Brookings? Sioux Falls and Brookings, about 45 miles. Okay, so about 45-minute yeah. drive, less than an hour. Right, just less okay. than an hour. Okay, and how far to Mitchell? To Mitchell, it's maybe a little further. It's, it's about, uh, about 50, 55 miles. So it's not much further. Well, the only reason I ask about Mitchell is because I haven't been there, but of course, I uh, read about the Corn Palace, have not visited there because you can't go to South Dakota without hearing 
about the Corn Palace or Wall Drug, and I have been to Wall Drug. <laughs> yeah, the world's only Corn Palace. Yeah, there you go. You can't come here and drive past Mitchell on the interstate. You have to stop. You have to pull over. You have to look at the Corn Palace. Okay. There's exactly. not much. In, it, it's it's basically a, a an arena. It's, it's a basketball uh, arena, uh, and they decorate the outside with different colors of corn right and i've seen that i've seen pictures of it so let me ask you this how far is it from mitchell then to wall south dakota that's got to be a couple a, hours at least about three hours it's close to three hours okay all right joey let's talk about some of the mentors you had growing up possibly parents coaches people that had an influence in your life uh, maybe even some mentors you had once you got uh, into athletic administration share that with us Sure. Um, you know, as with a lot of people, your, your parents are your first mentors. They're your first teachers. And you take a lot of your life lessons from them and you build from there. You know, they taught me a lot about uh, commitment and work ethic and what it takes to succeed. And, and when you commit to someone, to something, you follow through. And loyalty, I guess, is a big thing with me um, in relationships and, and, and things in your life that if, if you're not loyal, if you're not committed, uh, there are issues going forward from those things. If you're not committed to those things, that's the biggest thing that I learned from my parents. Um, you know, I had a lot of mentors as, as I got into coaching and athletic administration in particular. Uh, coming from a small school, especially you don't have there aren't a lot of people within the building who know exactly what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, you know, you <laughs> and that hasn't that. changed. <laughs> say that again. I say that hasn't changed even today. Yeah. That, that's a fact. And, and so it's important that you build those relationships, but I think uh, probably the biggest uh, supporter and mentor that I've, I've had is, is my wife, Tracy, you know, she, she keeps me grounded. She keeps me, uh, Sane most of the time, uh, although other people might argue that she doesn't succeed at that very often, but she's <laughs> always been a sounding board for me, uh, a voice of reason when I get to a place where I just don't know, you know what to do, what to think about, you know, this person's coming at you from this angle and somebody else is coming at you from that angle. She's always been uh, a voice of, of reason for me and a source of sage advice. So I, I would say she's probably been as, as helpful to me in mentoring me that way as anyone. Perfect. Let's talk for, well, let, let's, let's make this a two-part question. So how did you go from being a head basketball coach? And then how did you get into athletic administration? And is Sioux Falls the only place you've been uh, the no. AD? No, I was the athletic director at Esteline for 25 years, small school, Okay. 60, 70 kids, nine through 12. So when I say small school, that, that's exactly what I mean. Uh, and the athletic director there, uh, when I was there as a head basketball coach, retired, and it was an opportunity for me to get into administration. Uh, the board didn't want someone who was, <clears throat> excuse me, a head coach and the athletic director at the time. So I stepped down from coaching, uh, became the athletic director there, and spent 25 years there. Tracy is the first grade teacher there, so we both worked in the same building. For, for 25 years. And uh, from there, I went to Harrisburg, South Dakota, which is just south of Sioux Falls here. Uh, 
and I spent two years there. Harrisburg was, uh, they were a growing school district, became, uh, they went from class B to class A to our largest class of school, double A, you know, over the course of about seven or eight years. That's how quickly they were growing. And they're in the large school class now. And then uh, Jim Dorman, who was the athletic director here at Lincoln High School, uh, retired in 2016. And I took over for him here in 2016. So is that when, uh, is that when Jim took over as the executive director of the South Dakota ADs then? No, Jim has been the executive director probably since close to the turn of the century, to tell you the truth. Uh, he's been over 20 years okay executive director so he's been here a long time yeah okay perfect so let's now that we've established that you've been an ad for a long long time let's talk about the job of being an athletic administrator today and tell us how it's different than when you first started as i alluded to when i was talking about when i was growing up i, I was I, I played basketball i love playing basketball so i played football i ran track just so that i could play basketball those were the days when, when the coach told you to do something, you just did it. The biggest thing is that now you have to explain the why of every decision you make. And, and not that that's bad, but that's just the biggest change. The why of it all, when you explain to a, a player or a parent, why is my child not playing? Why is this happening? You have to do that. And, you, and that's the big thing that we have to teach our coaches is that when they say they don't talk about playing time, well, you, you kind of do. I mean, it, to me, it's the equivalent of if a student is struggling in algebra or failing in algebra, the teacher not explaining to the student or the parent why the student is, what is struggling in algebra. So when we, when we talk about students and playing time as a coach, I should be prepared to talk about playing time with the parent. Now, I can't talk about other students, but I can talk about your child. So the, the biggest thing that comes with that, though, in my mind, is that so many times the student and the parent struggle to understand the why. They think because they disagree with you, they don't understand what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> you know? that's exactly they say, right. I just don't understand. Yes, you do understand what I'm saying. You just don't agree with it. So, so it's moving from the explanation of why to convincing them that you know, we may just disagree on that. And, and that's going to happen frequently is that we disagree on how much your student should be playing, but you understand that this is my rationale. You disagree, you understand, but you still disagree, which is okay. Well, it's, as Dave Mason used to say, there ain't no good guys, there ain't no bad guys. There's only you and me and you we and just me. disagree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is that is well said. And of course, parents think that the rules apply to everyone except for their little Johnny or little Janie. And yes. you, they must apply to everybody, but they wouldn't apply to my kid that way. So let's talk for a moment then, Joey, about the importance of mentorship in athletic administration. You know, like I said earlier, it's we're the only ones in the building who do what we do. If you're in a small school, that's especially true. In a big school, there may be multiple assistant principals where they can talk to each other and bounce ideas off. But there's only one athletic director in, in almost every building in the country. Uh, so it's important that you develop those relationships. And when we see a new athletic director, 
that we reach out to them and we develop that relationship so that they know that they're not in things alone, that we can pass on the things that we've done wrong to them so that they don't make the same mistakes and that we get them involved. It's, it's important that, that they get involved in, in booster club organizations at the local level, even at the state level and national level. Um, we develop them for those responsibilities because when they give back to their students, to their states, to the national organization, it's been my experience that that, that growth comes back to me a hundred times over. Uh, I get so much more out of it than I feel like I put into it. It, it feels like a, sometimes that it's not, it, it's not fair. I feel like I get more than I give, but I hope to try to give as much to that, to them as I get from it. Well said. Let's talk for a moment, Joey, about your, your journey with the South Dakota Athletic Administrators Association, how that began. I'm sure you've been all the way through their leadership. I know we're going to talk in a moment about your role as a state coordinator, but talk about some of the good things that have happened there. And Jim Dorman was the one who reached out to me a number of years ago. And so oftentimes that's what leadership is, is an invitation my first master's degree was in educational technology. So he reached out to me to, to ask me to be the technology director for the state of South Dakota, uh, the SDI AAA. And, and, and I accepted. And so he pulled me into that. And I served in that role for about four years. And as the NI AAA developed uh, more of a technology presence, if you will, uh, moving their ordering of LTI manuals to online and downloading of the files and sharing them with instructors, I started to help Steve Verseth more. Steve was our LTI coordinator uh, for the SDI AAA for so many years and, and did such a wonderful job of creating that program. So I worked with him and then became his assistant LTI coordinator and someone else took over the role of technology instructor or uh, coordinator. And as Steve retired, I became the LTI coordinator for the state. So that's kind of how I've, I've progressed. And those are two of my biggest mentors at the state level. Uh, then as I progressed into the state and going to the national uh, LTI coordinators summit in Indianapolis in September for several years, getting to work with alongside the likes of uh, Jim Watkins and Don Bales and and those gentlemen taught me so many different things. I became more involved at the national level. I applied for a, a position on the certification committee where I was so fortunate to work with, with gentlemen like uh, Paul Groff and Pete Shambo and Jake Von Schur. Uh, those guys just, just took me in and, and taught me so many different things and, and guided me and have men, been mentors and great friends throughout the year. And it's just been such a great, great time to work with them. Well, and actually, all, all three of those are former, former guests on the uh, UI AAA Connection. So, well, I knew you'd work your way down to South Dakota sometime, Hutch. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm talking about South Dakota. You, you mentioned Steve Brissett, but uh, of course, I think I go farthest back with uh, Bill Clement, who uh, I lobbied for when I was on the awards committee. And this is my goodness, this is a long time ago. This has got to be 15 years ago. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Jim Dorman. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some great leaders in that South Dakota group. 
Yeah, Bill is our uh, NIAAA liaison, good friend of mine, and, and he's been a great mentor and friend for me as well. Well, let's talk about something. You mentioned that uh, that September meeting, and of course, I've been attending for, my goodness, since the mid-90s, I guess. That's how long I've been in the dual role as an assistant coordinator but uh, and still an executive director here in Utah. Talk about that weekend in Indianapolis and then talk about maybe some of the successes you've had and stories you've had being a state coordinator and, uh, and some of the great things, maybe some humorous things from a couple of the weekends. Because as, as people think, people think, oh, you just go to Indianapolis and you mess around all weekend. Uh, they don't understand that you are booked when you get off the flight. Your meetings till eight or nine at night. You're up in the morning, your meetings for the whole next day and the next day, and then you're out of there. But go ahead. I, I interrupt. Yeah. You know, you get there on a, on a Friday and, and you, you have, you have dinner. Yep. But then you're, you're working until maybe 10 o'clock just, and it's not maybe formal sessions, but you're working on planning the next day so that it comes off for the other people who come in. And then on Saturday, you know, we were up until 10 or 11 o'clock with Daryl Nance talking about the cohort uh, in a roundtable discussion. So, and then you're starting at eight o'clock the next morning again and, and going until noon before you fly out. So, you know, it is a lot of work. You're crammed a lot of things into a short period of time, but there are so many laughs that are shared over those meals and around those roundtable discussions and, and the connections that we make there that just last a lifetime. To, you know, we spend a lot of time together and it's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding to make those friendships and connections. Yeah, no question about it. Let's let's have you share with our audience, Joey, your I guess I guess it's still a newer role. I guess you've been in for maybe a year now, but uh, your new role as a member of the Professional Development Academy. And of course, you'll be with that role for I'm I'm sure years to come. Talk about how that came about. Maybe talk a little bit about when you and Arthur served as uh, as interns to help you out with that. But I'll turn the time over to you. Sure. Uh, yeah, AB and I served as uh, interns to the Professional Development Academy. Uh, I'll say it was probably 2018 was the was the first time that they had those interns. It's just trying to build capacity within the Professional Development Academy team and trying to lighten that load a little bit because people don't understand that the national conference, as smooth as it goes when you're there as an attendee, there are a few people who are working their tails off behind the scenes to make sure it happens. Uh, and that you don't notice the feet, how fast the feet on that duck are moving beneath the surface of the water. Um, so, to alleviate some of the pressure on them, the NIAAA decided to add uh, a few members to the Professional Development Academy team and to try to cross-train those people so that uh, as those people retire and move on to other things, that there is a continuity. Uh, Arthur and I and uh, Lannis Robinson and Mike Elson, you know, when I saw th those guys had applied for the position, yeah, had I known they were going to apply for these positions, because originally I think they were only going to take two, I wouldn't have applied because, you know, you look at those names and those are some legends from the NIAAA and, and you just don't even feel like I don't have a chance. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to, to be included in that group and I worked 
pretty closely with with a couple of different areas uh, with Arthur and with Jim Watkins in the uh, course revision and uh, areas and scheduling those for the conference in December and, and in other areas with Ed Lockwood and Sherry Stice in the certification committee to ensure that our CAA exam is rigorous and that the questions are vetted and uh, the test has integrity and those things so that we can maintain that uh, cognitive accreditation, which the NIAAA is so proud of. So do you, <clears throat> I know they added what you, Arthur, uh, Mike Elson Lance, and Lance and at the same time. And of course, I think Daryl maybe came on a year before you because he's the cohort yep. master, exactly. also a former guest on our our podcast. But uh, do you think it'll stay there for a while, or do you think if and when Dom Bales decides to leave, there, there probably maybe some some other openings, or do you think that you'll absorb with the four new people? Because I know Jim's leaving us in in December. That's going to be a big big shoes to fill. Those will be big shoes to fill, but it's not like he'll be gone and we can't draw on him as a resource. Uh, but yes, that was, that's what makes this so important. I know Arthur is working extremely close to him uh, and, and I with him, but not as close as AB does uh, to make sure that there's as smooth a transition as, as we can have. I, I can't speak to the future, uh, what it might hold as far as do they add more people as others roll off. Uh, that'll be a board decision. And I'm sure that that will, will be dependent on a lot of different factors. Uh, we certainly don't want to see the quality of the, of the conference and the programs go down. So, it, you know, it, it'll be a lot, of, a lot of pressure on us to make sure that uh, we maintain sure. what those who came before us built. You know, we all drink from the wells that other people dug. Uh, so we want to make sure that those wells stay at a, at a nice high level. Oh, I, I like that. Next time I give a talk, I'm still on that, Joey. And I'm, I'm going to credit. I'm going to credit that to you. I'm pretty sure I didn't think of it originally. Well, there you go. But I just think I know originally they expanded the professional development committee. Obviously, it's always been Jim and and Donnie, and uh, and then of course they brought Sherry and Ed, um, of course Doctor Scott, but then they brought Daryl, and then you guys. I just I don't see it getting smaller. Because as you know, our membership just continues to grow. So yeah. you're yeah. doing such so great work. What the future work. holds, only the future knows. Yeah, no, exactly. So share your observations, Joey, of the recent NIAAA conference. Well, I guess it's not so recent. It's been four months ago. By the time this airs, it'll be five months ago. But uh, talk about it. And I've been asking this uh, to all of our guests here in the past two or three months, just because there was something so special about it, at least it seemed that way to me. So share your thoughts. I would agree. First of all, I would like to, to send kudos out to the Colorado and the Denver host committee for doing such a great job after having been away for a couple of years and everybody just being able to get back together. There was so much positive energy. And like I said, the people who work behind the scenes, Jim and Don and and Mike and Phil and the whole NIAAA staff, uh, Sharice and Alex and, and Cheryl and everybody who's there that they worked so hard to pull that off. And it was just such a positive atmosphere. Uh, the Daryl with the two cohorts that were trying to meet the one from the previous year that didn't get together and the new one that's starting and trying to do two awards ceremonies. 
there was mm-hmm. so much going on uh, that people didn't have time to really blink and, and, re, and rest as they were putting them on. But they did such a great job. It was so much fun. And there was so much professional development that was going on in, in such a short period of time. I just, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Can't say enough about it. No, and I think, obviously, I think everyone shares your same thoughts with that. I think part of it was we, did, we got to have the Tampa, but the Tampa was virtual. So as I was on the virtual uh, feed with 10 inches of snow on the ground, there was probably 20 in South Dakota. <laughs> it's, it's just not the same as that, that in-person thing. So thanks for sharing those thoughts. Let me ask you this, Joey, what's, your, what's the favorite part of your job? I'm sure everybody says the same thing. Uh, but and if it's not the same thing, I, I feel like it should be. It's working with the kids. You know, you come to sure. the every day and, and these young student athletes are enthused to be here and you're working with the best of the best most of the time. Uh, it's just working with them and getting to see the growth that they show from, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, from freshman through senior year and developing those relationships. And I just think that's, uh, it's priceless. It's, it's my favorite part of the job. Well, let's have... Uh... Let me ask you a question that's not on the script. So you've been an AD for quite a long time. Is, is retirement in the future? I mean, I know you're not going to retire from the NIAAA, but retirement is at least from being a building AD or how many years do you have in? Is that uh, something in the next five years or maybe, maybe not? Um, so this won't air until July, right? <laughs> uh, I, let me see. I think it's going to air. Yeah, it's going to air in July. Yes. Okay, well then I'll, I'll just say this, that I'm close, I am much closer to the end of my active AD career than, than one might think. Um, very soon, very okay. soon, uh, and I'll leave it at that. But, but I am looking forward to that, and you're absolutely right. I'm not gonna retire from the SDI AAA or the NIAAA. Those things are things that I am very much uh, wanting to keep in my life because I'm not ready to give up the friendships that I've developed with with you and and those around the country that that I hold dear to me. Well, I call that, and I've said this numerous times to many of our guests, uh, particularly across the country. But it's the NIAAA family. I'll let you expand on that. But I and people get tired of me saying this, and I've said it over and over again. They've probably heard it 20 times over the past year and a half since we've had this podcast. But unless you've unless you've been part of that and lived that and, and experienced that and, and really jumped in with both feet and got involved, you, people don't believe that the NIAAA really exists like this, that you have, that it's so friendly, that you have so many colleagues because it's not like other professional organizations. So speak to that. Cause obviously we wouldn't have never met obviously, unless it was for the coordinators. I mean, we've known each other for years now. And uh, it's because we first met at the coordinators summit back in September. So go ahead, Jim. Let me ask you a question in reverse. How many high school principals or high school superintendents do you know who are still active after they retire in their state or national organization? I don't know of any. The only (laughs) principal I know that's still active is Al Sersland, who's a member of the NIAAA. 
who was right. a, who kept his membership up and made sure that his building AD was a member. But yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, superintendents and principals don't stay active in their state organizations or their national organizations after they retire. It just doesn't happen. They move on. And, and not that athletic directors don't move on, but we develop those connections much more deeply because we, we our job by nature is to work with people in other buildings, whereas principals work within their own building and they deal with their own staff in, in a, and they don't branch out much from there. But we do because the very nature of our job is I'm gonna have to reschedule a game. So I'm gonna have to call Corey Odlin over at uh, Mitchell to reschedule a game. And we'll talk on the phone for five minutes about other things as we're looking through dates to try to find. And then we'll go to a state conference and we spend time together. And those are the bonds that, that we make at the state level and at the national level by attending those national conferences. We stay involved in our organizations. I know numerous athletic directors who are still involved after retirement. And that's the thing I wanna maintain as well because we do have such a special bond as activities athletic directors. That is a uh, that's a that's a great observation. And I'm not sure anyone's made that before about the superintendents and principals. So thanks so much for sharing that because that I think that is so true. Let me finish up with a couple of questions, Joey. The first being, you've got two suggestions for a brand new AD in order to be a success in their school as a new athletic administrator. What would those two suggestions be from your point of view? First, listen. Stay quiet and listen. If we don't listen to our student athletes, if we don't listen to our coaches or our parents or our peers, then we can't possibly begin to understand what they need for us from us to help them because that's what we're here for. We're here to help those students and we can't help the students unless we help the coaches or the parents and the parents. So we need to listen to them, develop those relationships so that we can understand what they need, so that we can deliver what they need. They don't need me to deliver what I need. They need me to deliver what they need. So listen, that's the first thing that, that, that I would say, listen to them. And the second thing is to serve. Serve your students, serve your coaches, serve your state organization, serve your national organization, because those things lead to your own growth. Personal growth is professional growth. I used to have a superintendent who, who said that. That was He was big into that. Grow personally and you can grow professionally. And the more we serve, I truly believe, the more we serve, the more we grow. So if you want to grow, serve. And those are the two things that I would leave to the next person who fills my chair whenever that might be. All right. Joey, what question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? I read that one. I didn't. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anything uh, off the top of my head. Um, I just appreciate you having me on. Much. This is. It's, it's been an honor. Well, it's uh, like I say. It's. I've got my list out about eight months worth, and so I just. I. I've got to get this person on. I've got to get this person on. And you've been on the list for quite some time. So I certainly appreciate you being on. That wraps it up for another edition of the UI AAA Connection. As a matter of fact, I'm going to interrupt myself because I don't think I said this. So I didn't, you're the AD at what high school? I know you're in Sioux Falls, but I didn't say the high school. I want to make sure to get that correct. 
Lincoln High School in Sioux Falls. Lincoln, that's right. Okay. So that wraps it up for another edition of the UI AAA Connection. Our guest today has been Joey Struey, Athletic Director at Lincoln High School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and a member of the Professional Development Academy from the NIAAA. Joey, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, it's been great. Thanks, Hutch. For our listeners, we hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the UI AAA Connection. 